You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Absolutely. Your gift. Uh, hey, welcome everybody to At Home, the podcast, <laughs> season two, episode 14. We're just catching up on Angie's uh, family Stop. dynamics. It's always great. Farm life. Gosh, what a what a fun reality. Uh, we are coming to you uh, today uh, following uh, last week's, uh, shall we say, uh, exciting, engaging, and uh, I'll push it even farther, life-changing event. Uh, we were so fortunate to host the Disciple Shift Conference here at Wakarusa Missionary Church. Uh, had good friends uh, in from all over the country, uh, central Tennessee, way down to Alabama, Idaho, uh, Missouri. Houston. He- oh, let's not forget Texas, which it's very clear, by the way, they still think that they could operate as their own country. They, there's a real, it's like everything better than Texas. We get it. We get it. Yeah, we get it. Stop talking about Stop talking about Texas. Uh, but had all these great folks come in and uh, also leadership from uh, ch- local local churches, local congregations, kind of all of our Midwest region here uh, to talk about the topic of discipleship. But really, really just beyond talking about it, to try to get our, our minds around what it looks like to be a disciple-making church, uh, to make discipleship primary – it just kind of the main DNA of, of what our faith communities look like. So a really amazing time. And we want to say uh, thank you to RDN uh, for just partnering with us, mm-hmm. for being here, leading that. We, I think we can all say we saw some amazing things happen in the groups that we were in and leading. Um, really, really cool stuff. So we're just grateful. And I'm amazed every time I get together with these people. They, they feel like uh, – so many of the leaders, the RDN leaders that are coming in and helping facilitate this, they are their friends. They are close, close friends and partners in ministry. So grateful for all of them. Uh, so Chris, here's the deal. We just spent two days talking about discipleship. Uh, I know that we are developing a common language and a common understanding around that, but I just feel like discipleship has become, again, this sounds really strange, like the new buzzword uh, in, in, in our churches. Yeah, we're all about discipleship. And it's like, great. Uh, what I want to clarify the terms for us. I want to I want to identify when we're talking here today about discipleship and going all in on discipleship and being disciple making churches. Chris, what are what are we talking about, and and why are we talking about this? Because aren't aren't just isn't that what churches are doing? We're just all making disciples, and it's going it's going really well. Do you see how I'm leading? I'm just I'm leading the question. Yeah, you're you're leading it very well. Uh. I would like to go backwards just a little bit yeah. to help you understand my story just a little bit more. Uh, so I was sitting in the church, and the tagline was making fully committed disciples. And I really started asking that question. Okay, so what is a disciple? Uh, what is a disciple, and how do we know if we're making fully committed ones? Uh, well, some of the staff felt like they had great clarity on it. I continued to be lost on what in the world that meant. And so I felt like as a role that I was playing uh, in that church, I ought to understand it. I need to know it. 
so that I know if I'm winning or losing. Uh, so you have mentioned the RDN. Uh, for those listening who do not know what that is, that's simply the Relational Discipleship Network. And they host this DS1, which stands for Discipleship One Conference. I found this in uh, through some of the things I was reading, trying to understand what a disciple was. And back in 2015, I uh, took a group of friends with me to this conference. It changed my life. Because I think, to answer your question, for the first time, I think I truly understood what Jesus meant when he was saying, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, make a disciple. Yeah. What is a disciple? Is it somebody who just shows up in church on Sunday? Discipleship has become a buzzword. Everybody seems to have a different definition. I like to refer to it as Kleenex. We often say, hey, go get a Kleenex. Well, it might be a Puffs. It might be great value brand. Right. Right. It might be whatever, but we often use it as as uh, the brand name. And I think discipleship's fallen into that trap. Uh, so I like to think that discipleship is is spelled out very clearly. We are to Jesus says it in Matthew that we are to go and make disciples. It, it's not like hey, if you if you feel like this, you know, after a while sitting in church, go and reproduce yourself. Uh, Matthew four nineteen, uh, Jesus says to his followers, "Follow me, I will make you." Fishers of men. And that's how I like to define it. That's how the relational discipleship likes to define what a disciple is. Three parts to it. Follow me. I have to choose to follow Jesus. Follow me. I will make you. There's a transformation that has to take place. It's not just about following. I have to have a change of heart. Follow me. I will make you. Transformation. Fishers of men. There's the action. There's the hands. There's the the mission behind it. Follow me. I'm going to transform you so that you will ultimately go and reproduce a disciple. That's what it's all about. So in light of that definition, it, it there seems to be also areas of confusion, like you said, around what a disciple is. And, and I've been in ministry context where um, and tell me if this tracks with you, where the discipleship pastor at a local congregation, when you got into what they did for a job, I think it was just a little bit of a canary down the mine shaft a little bit, kind of, they, they were responsible for purchasing Sunday school curriculum. Right. That, that was the discipleship pastor. Um, and so in my mind, it's like, oh, the understanding of making a disciple is it's through the educational, the, the lens of an education, like learning facts about, about God. Is, is that a, do you see that as a common misconception and a, and a common problem? Absolutely. I think the American way is to fill people with more knowledge. Uh, sit in small groups, uh, remove yourself from the world, and just gain more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge. Come to more classes. Come to the church. Come to the church. Come to the church. Come to the church. <laughs> yeah. you, you see a pattern? <laughs> yeah. Come to the church. Yeah. Uh, Jesus never called us to come to the church. Yep. He said us set a message for us to go to the world. And I think that's the difference in what's happening these days. I think there has to be this this balance between educating ourselves enough to understand what it is to make a disciple, uh, how to help somebody mature in the faith, but then going out and actually doing it. And there's such a, and we're going to get to this with Angie here in a second, but there, there seems to be a misunderstanding between, okay, there is knowledge and then there is wisdom. And, and, the, the wisdom of a disciple is one who's taking what they know about God and is implementing it and is sharing it into the world and is going into places, I, I think also going into places and hanging out amongst groups of people who may not necessarily come from the same background they do or may not necessarily agree with with their you know with their own with their beliefs or their lifestyle or, or whatever the case is. 
and the nature of being a sent person um, who is multiple, that's the other thing, who is, because uh, we, we have this big part of our conversation, and it's definitely what we're talking about family, families doing this, imparting um, our trust in Jesus, sharing our story with Jesus so that another person may come to belief and then may do the same, right? Because there's, like there's like a multiplication component here I think that we frequently miss somehow. Absolutely. Uh, it, this goes back to the Jesus sent or went, you know, yeah. uh, series a little bit. He went to places where people didn't know him. Why we can't, uh, now you hit my passion button, why we <laughs> can't. can't get this through our head is the American church drives me crazy. Did I say it slow enough? You, you drives drive me, me crazy. crazy. <laughs> I do not get it. You know, and, and people would be like, why would you hang out there? I don't know. Jesus did. <laughs> you know, let, let's just try to get this through our heads that yep. we need to be where people who don't know Jesus are. Yeah. I, I, that just drives me bonkers. Yeah. So, so here we are. We're you know talking in the in the context of of an organized faith community, a church, buildings, budgets, all of that, and talking about how we how we want to focus on discipleship. And it can easily feel like the discipleship conversation is also relegated to our our church programs. But the reality is, and 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 this is we were joking before we went on. This is a this is a drum. <laughs> that, that our family pastor Angie uh, bangs all the time because it is—it's a central theme in the scriptures. It is a central theme of what of what Jesus was almost presupposing as he's meeting and talking with people and teaching people the home and right. the home being the engine for discipleship. Well, he designed it back in Genesis. Yep, told him to go and multiply, raise your children. Then he set them up as a big group of Israelites here in a, with laws that not just transcended to the adults, but they were to teach them to their children and to their children's children. And if you look back in church history, how did the um, historical information, how did the Bible get transferred before we had it in our own language and our own written word? Yep, story shared. It was by story and sharing yep. it to the people around you that you lived with. Deuteronomy 6 is a verse we talk about all the time because it's a reality. It's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like I say, you do it when you eat, sleep, you walk, you talk, you drive. Yeah. That's a lifestyle. Um, I think as, as a church, we've gotten so in the last, I say, 50 to 100 years, even the Industrial Revolution has impacted the church and how we do and how we become more professional and kind of... Um, Mechanized yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah, make everything a program, yeah. a, a thing you join. Yeah. And that is not what the Christian faith is. Oh, man, so good. It's a, it is a lifestyle you choose, as you said, Chris, to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the only way you follow Jesus really is you're changed by Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, guess what? You realize that you need to be changed. <laughs> and then you're like, let's bring other people with you. Yes. And you want your... Who's the first person that I would like to change? Well, we all know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's your family. It's yep. your husband. It's your wife. It's your kids. Who sees your worst? Yeah. Who sees the change in the most minuscule ways? <sighs> your family. Yeah. So discipleship has to come in the home, and it has to be lived out in our everyday lives. Because when we and I and I and I say this, and this isn't just a word, but we don't practice it in our home. We're never going to practice it. 
outside the home. And that, that word practice, I'm uh, we we all talk about our good friend uh, John, John Mark, Mark Comer. Comer. Come know. on now, um, I'm listening. By the way, I'm listening to his teaching series right now. This vision series that he put out with practicing the way, and uh, the the discussion around practice. You have to ar- do something around around yeah. activity, not in a sense of earning salvation, not in the sense of works-based righteousness, but rather that God gave us, and this is just so important, like God gave us bodies in order that we might actually be Mm -hmm. in a rhythm, physically in a rhythm with God's grace and that we might respond, we might respond rightly to him. And you talk to me about family, family rhythms of, of discipleship, because you said it so well, let's, let's not add another program. Let's, let's not outsource this. To to like, hey, it's a meeting one time a week. What so, what encouragement would you have to that? Because because I, I I know as well, a parent, I'm here like, oh, I got one more thing I need to do now. Right, and that's the whole deal. Because who doesn't want and um, you know one more thing to do? Because we're already chasing the schedule, the yep. baseball schedule, the yep. soccer schedule, the choir concerts, the you know uh, awards programs. Yep. Everything's out there. The thing is, so. You guys are all laughing because you know that I listen to podcasts. So the other week, and my children all can attest to this because I was um, on the treadmill listening to this one of my favorite podcasts, Growing Leaders by Tim Elmore. Our buddy Tim. Yes. And also, so, hello, Tim. We know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> which he's responded to some of my messages. So good. I'm good. There. You're getting the but buddy. Anyways, That's good. But um, so him and Andrew McPeak go into this. Well, we have all these things that we're chasing. What is one of the things that we could do to make our kids better? And I started listening. I'm like, oh, what's one thing? I was trying to think. And then all of a sudden they're like, we go and we talk to these Harvard professors, these uh, people involved in the secular world and, and psychology and not even connected to any type of faith or developing of um you know, anyone, they're just saying, how can I make this child better? Guess what they said? The dinner table. Oh, come on. Setting down at the table with your kids, letting them debrief, letting them talk, you talking to them, sharing your heart. Um, how's somebody going to know what you did during the day unless you kind of talk about it in a in a huddle? And this is, and Tim will tell you, one of the great things that um, he's developed is called Habitudes, which are um, habits of leadership development in kids and how to raise that. But he said, even as I worked with my kids and I sat around, that was where the curriculum came out of. It. I just talked mm. around the dinner table. And so I love this concept. And I sat there. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Let's put the two things together and put the um, uh, uh, the the link in this. Wasn't just the other week, Pastor Chris saying from the stage as you oh, preach your gonna, she's gonna sermon quote you, Chris. Here it comes. that you said, what is one of the main discipleship tools we have in our home? What did you say? I said the kitchen table. It was it was wisdom dropped right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right there <laughs> the kitchen table. Uh, yeah. But I think that all of us realize, so where does this Deuteronomy 6 passage go? It talks about, talk about it when you eat, yep. when you drink, when you walk, okay, when you talk, everything. So what is one of the main um, avenues of our society today to have conversation? It's around food. 
Mm-hmm. And what's one of the main places that you can do this with your kids and in a really non-threatening way? Yes, it does happen really easily in the car, which I think we all agree to because they're, when they're looking not trying forward. to kill each other. Yeah. And when you're looking, <laughs> I even do it with Dan. When we're driving, it's easy for us to talk about something that is sure. more difficult because we're not like necessarily looking at each other or in bed when a child is ready to go to sleep and it's dark, they just... Just take the time out, be with your kid at nighttime and do that. But the dinner table, use it, invite a friend over. Um, I'll have to tell you as far as, and I say this, I beat the drum because uh, Nico came into our house for a whole year. We had an exchange student from Norway, had no idea about um, our way of life of doing things. They did things close to us in Norway, but they weren't exactly like us. Um, And so uh, she knows that the dinner table was kind of our connecting point. And she knew that and understood it. And even when we snap her sometimes on our Snapchat, we're at the dinner table and she's like, (laughs) are you drinking the milk? Because we drink milk for dinner. But she knew that in that time we talked and she told us, she said, those times that we talked and you just listened to each other, that meant the world to me. And I just I just challenge parents, don't get caught up. Joel, sometimes I don't eat dinner at 6 p.m. Yeah. This is a big deal uh, at our house. Me either. Yeah, right. Because you can't. <laughs> yeah. The, old, the older I get, it's more like, hey, 4.30. You know? <laughs> Chip <laughs> shop. It's about time, it's about and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's o'clock at night. Yeah. I know. And that's what I, it's but the true. Sun, the sun, but the, and that's true for us. The sun is going down uh, for sure when we're having dinner these days. Yeah. But, okay, so... Maybe I have to eat dinner late for a few years. I have to eat dinner late. Mm-hmm. Like my kids know I sent them this podcast because I was like, guys, this is why we eat together, even if it's 8 o'clock p.m. It's been scientifically proven that <laughs> it, we, makes we, we, it makes a difference. Yeah. And I just I know there's so many challenges out there. I think families and I think individuals have to just make a choice, make one Make one step towards working in your home to talk about Jesus and to talk about life and how you put Jesus in life. We often use the word intentionality. And Angie, what it, what you're saying is your family has become intentional about making this a priority. And I think that's the key, intentionality in this. Uh, it's a discipline that's been established. You know, I think a lot of families, when they start out, they'll get the one-word answers from their kids. How was your day? Good. They won't even say good. They'll just, mm. Mm. you know. <laughs> they'll make a noise. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but, but creating a routine, a habit, uh, a consistency uh, has created dialogue, which now as they've grown older um, because of that intentionality has turned into true discipleship. Because relationship is key because we can have all the rules we want, but this is, this goes, this goes with discipleship is you have to have rules and relationship because if you don't have relationship with rules, guess what happens? You have rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the ways that we can walk with our kids. So, okay. Um, What do we do? I, I felt like I had a really good question lined up, and now I'm trying to regain, regain it because I, I want to listen to all your guys' good thoughts. We Oh, I, I remember. So it was coming back to me. Uh, long day. Uh, when it comes to discipleship, though, Angie, like, I mean, what happens when – like, do our, do our kids just get one form of discipleship, and that is – that is our our family input. So, like, okay, you're discipling your kids, but if if the family isn't, then 
then what is hap- then what is happening to our to our kids? Well, the the reality is if we don't talk about things with our kids, the world's going to talk about it. So they call these little things smartphones. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty smart. They can tell our kids anything. They can Google and they can find out about anything. They could even Google the word discipleship and learn about discipleship. <laughs> right, right. But the problem is they're not going to do that. And yeah. unfortunately, they usually go to the wrong places. And so YouTube, Google, Fortnite, it's going to teach them. And and really the whole idea is it's going to form them. Yes. It's going – when I say this, not just teaching them. And the, the formation is what happens. And um, that formation is so hard yeah. to have – to bring it back. Yep. Well, because that, that formation, uh, that's the point, that that your kid, our children, will be discipled one way or another. That is that is a non-negotiable. Everyone, each and every one of us is a disciple of someone or something. The question is, what it, what is it? And, you know, I um, – and I know I've missed the boat along the way, but it's like the, the danger is discipleship via Google versus discipleship – uh, via the body, you know, the body of Christ, living and walking, living and, and walking yes. through it, and mm-hmm. and that's what I just want. I just want people to hear. Like we are not advocating for for adding another program, another thing to the list. What we are advocating for is an intentional abiding in the way of Jesus, sharing that life together with our families, modeling that over time. It's going to be clunky at times. There's the seasons of life. I mean, I I know, uh, as I sit across the table from from Chris and Angie here, who have who are in have been in my place of life, but are also in different stages in their parenting and their family formation. It it just seems like once you, it feels like once you get your feet under you just a little bit, then there's then there's, there's like hope. the the ne- yeah. yeah, and then there's like the next change. There's like yep. the next uh, next adjust adjustment we're making. I'm just old enough to know how to pray for you, Adam boy. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. I love, and I and I, I, I I'm stopped getting older. I'm staying. She's, I'm just stagnant. <laughs> it is Angie's birthday, by the way. Yeah, we're going downhill, Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she has peaked. <laughs> I have peaked. I've that's turned it. the corner. That's it. So okay, and 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 that's the encouragement. We're we, uh, and and I think it's you know when we I think back to the conference, so many folks, and I understand why so many folks come and they're like, just give us the silver bullet, right. give us the the programmatic thing. Um, there's a lot of conversation early on about what are the tools, the tools to to achieve this, and like kind of thinking very pragmatically ab- about it. Um, relationship, relationship, relationship. I I know when I first came on on staff here a little over a year ago, um, I heard that I heard the R word relationship used all the time. And as we've gone, and I and and part of me in the back of my brain, I think it's easier for us to go, okay, yes, relationship, but like, seriously, like we gotta, we got to figure out some systems here. We got to like, there isn't there, you know, whatever. And, and I think we're, we're not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're not saying like that. Don't pay your bills. Yeah. Like, like (laughs) you got to pay the bills. Right. That there are no, that there are no systems in place here. What, What we're saying, Chris and Angie, I think, and I think this is how we've all experienced this together. Always keep the relationship first and foremost, the development of relationships out in front of the other things. And then I think there's just great clarity that's gained along the way when you do that to say, okay, am I in relationship with people well? 
And if so, then a lot of the other stuff, I'm not saying it necessarily like takes care of itself, but it, it really, your folk, your focus and because we're just not, there's, there's things here at this church. I love this, especially as being an executive pastor. There's things at this church we just ain't worried about. Like we're just not going to give time and energy to it because it, while it could, it could maybe market us well as a, as a church or as a, as a community, it's not making disciples. And so if we say we're going to be about making disciples, then we need to release some things and embrace, embrace some others. So Joel, one of the two um, things that our small group, so one of the main ways, uh, ways we communicate during these two days is in small group. You have a group of like 12 yeah. people and you hang out for 16 hours with them. Is that about right, Chris? About 16 hours. <laughs> it's very accurate. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> You intense. get to know these strangers really yeah. well as um, some of um, people are with people they know. Number one, the main thing is when you said a relationship, it just brought to mind. I think we think about relationships with others, but the key to all relationships is to have the one relationship established and out front. Because when you abide with Christ, you said it so well, when you abide with Christ, everything else comes into line. And I think we often want to have that answer. Like you're saying, well, what do I need to do? It's kind of like, what's the next program? What's the silver bullet? Um, it's pretty much abide with Christ, <laughs> um, be with Christ, walk with Christ. Yeah. Uh, when, they, when you do that, you uh, kind of overflow Christ and it just becomes a way of life. And I think in our group, we were, uh, talking about this and in that there's God's part, our part and their part. And when we abide with Christ, it's sure a lot easier allowing God to do his part because really, that's the whole idea. We got to let go and we can't yeah. form people into what we want, like discipleship, forming somebody or bringing somebody to Christ. We want to, it's all about like, well, I didn't say the right word or I didn't do the right thing. Well, when you're with Christ and abiding in Christ, who's, who's doing his part over yeah. here? It's God, God's doing yep. it. And he's going to bring people um, to him. And so I just, I say that because I think oftentimes in discipleship, we don't say abide with Christ first right. and foremost and all right. the time. We, we forget, like, those disciples, I mean, they dropped everything. They followed, they followed Jesus for what we say is three years of his earthly ministry. And, I mean, they went through Jesus University, uh, walking the countryside, seeing what he did. You know, in John's Gospel, this is the thing. I, I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon preached about this. When Jesus says to his disciples, you will do even greater things than you've seen me do. And I like, I can't say, and, and again, in the church context, in the faith community context here in the Midwest that I have operated in for the last going on two decades, um, I can't say that when it comes to the disciples of Jesus, I, I see them doing, like I see us, us collectively doing things well, it sounds weird to say doing things greater than what we even saw Christ doing or 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 so embracing the way of discipleship that he he has given us and the empowering of the Holy Spirit that came from that. Um and I just think I just it's like I think it's available to I think what what Christ has in his mission is available to us. It's there. It's sitting there. It's will we step into that by faith and then see God do amazing things. Like and 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 that is part of our community here. I mean, we we had some folks. 
I got to say, we have folks that, that came as volunteers that sat in the, these groups at this conference. And I just have to, I'll, I'll just let the cat out of the bag and say that I was sitting in the tech booth behind the table of our people. And I just visibly can see like God work, like God working. Like I didn't have, I didn't have to hear a word they said. I saw, I saw God working because it's like, oh, right. When people's hearts, and these are people that I, you know, are, are, I were so blessed to have who we have here at this church that have come who have turned their hearts over to God and have said, you know, I just want to, I just want to be obedient. I want to follow after you. And then when they're given a vision like this for, for relational discipleship, um, like you don't have to argue them into it. Like it, it just becomes so clear. And, and I don't say that as like, it's just some sort of magic, like, Oh, easy fix. It's just the, it should not be a surprise to us. The vision that Christ gives us is so beautiful and is so compelling. If we could just not turn it into rocket science, that's the thing. That is the thing. Yeah, absolutely. We have this knack of taking something simple and making it hard. And I think that's the, that's the hindrance to why discipleship struggles in a church. We, we think it has to be much more complicated. You said rocket science. Actually, it's kind of funny because we actually had a group of rocket scientists oh here uh, yeah. for this event. And, like, and uh, the great Denny Yoder had him in li- his group. Literally, and yeah. And, stretched, yeah. And one of the challenges was, oh, it's got to be harder. It's got to mm-hmm. be more complicated. It's got to be more intricate. Uh, we struggle with the simplicity of what, what Jesus has actually called us to. It isn't hard. Uh, and I think that's the thing that's changed our DNA as a church. Uh, you mentioned earlier, we just don't get caught up in some of the things that, that others do. When you try to make this a program and you try to do a couple things, I think the people coming into these conferences, they often are coming to us and saying, just tell me what the curriculum is I need to teach. Um, the Bible. I don't know. Just yeah, do what Jesus did. Yeah. Uh, number two is it, it's got to be something that I can control because the church has to control it. It can't. It, the church doesn't like organic. In some things, we like organic. We like organic coffee on yes. Sunday morning, but we don't want organic discipleship because we we have to figure out how to fence it in. Jesus didn't fence it in. You know, when we look at what Jesus did and how he modeled, uh, Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples in relationship. You know, our churches spend limited amount of time in discipleship with the people who even come in our doors. And then we go home and we close our garage door and we sit in our house and we yeah. don't interact with people. I mean, it just gets less and less our level of engagement. If we would reverse this funnel and we would invest in relationship with people, we would find ourselves making disciples, but it takes time. And, and it's the, not complicated. It's easy, but it'll cost you everything. And the scorecard has got to change in so many ways. Like I think we have a small group here that's led by uh, just by someone who I just deeply respect. And this group of people that he gets together are not from our church. Like there's a couple people that are connected to our community, and there's a bunch of people that are not. And I go, that is a he is that's a winning discipleship strategy right there. And so it's like. It's like I I'm not counting, um, like okay, listen. It's I'm what I'm not doing, and what we're not doing is saying, listen, his discipleship only counts if it yields X Y Z people coming through our front doors on Sunday morning. If they make it in our database and they are a giving family unit, bingo, then we bingo, count, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and no. it's mm-hmm. and it's like 
so that's the thing that I've just been really, really challenged with and encouraged with. It's like, uh, it doesn't. We are sending people out into the groups of people that God has connected with them with. Because Chris and Chris and Denny are asking all the time, like, like who do you know? Who do you know? Who do you know? We're not. We're not looking to fabricate relationship. It's like, no, God is. God has probably sent you more than likely has sent you as a follower of Jesus to a group of people already. The question is: Is will uh, I'm going to use another Chris Knight? Will we dribble with our head up? Mm-hmm. Uh, will we keep eyes open while we're we're going forward for for all of that because I, I just think it's so cru- crucial to remember uh, we are not lacking in opportunity. So one of the things I think we often think, well, to be to be discipling somebody, we got to have like this big Bible study and we got to have this you know big discussion and we all got to grow. And I loved um, this truth that um, came out of our time this last week is that yeah, Bible study is key. We got to know God to you know we got to know God's word to know God. But guess what? Obedience is about as deep as God's word gets. Obedience, walking in God's way, his way all the time. And I think we often try to get all these nuggets of what we're supposed to do. And actually, it's just doing it and obeying God and his commands. And so I just encouraged, it encouraged me. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be this difficult. It's obedience. Which, which in, in, as we start to wrap this up, really brings me to the the key thought obedience if we really want to look around and see where is discipleship happening you have to look to africa you have to look to china you have to look to communist countries and ask the question why is discipleship happening there and why is it not happening here we have as much knowledge if not more we have as much access and completely more access to the word and to opportunity, uh, but the difference is obedience and and the pressure to feel the need to do it. You know, the best thing, I hate saying it out loud, but the best thing that could happen to the American church is that true persecution happens because I think then we find ourselves in a position where the cost um, pushes us mm. towards a deeper obedience Um I just I get concerned, and I think we try to make it a program. You don't see that in China. You don't see that in Africa. They're not saying, "Hey, uh, you know, you got to have all these components to it." It's just, right. do you know Jesus? He's transformed my life, and He can do it for you. Yeah, they're they're in a place where the where they literally cannot have a program, and so that's like been taken from them, and it's actually been one of the greatest tools, and and I to to further the the cause of of mission there, and so I. Uh, yeah, I just I think we I I'll say this first and foremost. I'm really excited where we are as a community. I'm excited about the people that that God has connected us to and the the hearts that I'm seeing transformed. Um we first and foremost just we want to be a disciple making church and we want to encourage other churches and resource other churches to do the same thing and and individuals just people that have a burden for others to know Christ and to follow after him faithfully, like we're all in on that. And that's, that's something that we want to continue to encourage. So, um, yeah, I, we, we're going to have more, we're going to have more discipleship conversations because we've, we've, we've kind of given the big, we've aired our grievances here today. We've said, we've said, here's, here's where we see the challenges, but then here's the big picture, what, where we think we need to head and follow, uh, toward greater faithfulness, obedience, as we've said, um, 
So we just hope that you'll kind of continue on the journey with us as we're going to have the next at least two conversations um, diving into some of these areas more specifically and, and talking uh, talking some about the, the nuts and bolts of discipleship. Um, but uh, as always, Chris, Angie, good to have you guys with me. Thanks for the conversation. Uh, and uh, to you listening, we look forward to joining you again next week. Until then, grace and peace. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.